Hello, I'm Bill DeMay, Executive Vice Chair for the DC Young Republicans, and this is the District Download. Welcome back, everybody, to part two of our 2021 year in review mini series. I'm your host, Bill Dumay, and today we're going to be tackling the subject of elections and election securities. Last year was a huge year for both elections and election securities. Many states went through passing their own reforms to strengthen election systems. And we also have H.R. 1, which was introduced at the beginning of the year, which is a central priority for congressional Democrats uh, that still continues to be a, a pillar to their 2022 congressional priorities list. And so we have Hans von Sparkovsky to talk to us today. Hans von Sparkovsky is the authority on a wide range of issues, including civil rights, civil justice, the First Amendment, immigration, the rule of law, and government reform. As a senior legal fellow in the Heritage Foundation's Edwin Meese III Center for Legal and Judicial Studies, as manager of the think tank's election law reform initiative, Von Sparkovsky also studies and writes about campaign finance restrictions, voter fraud and voter ID, enforcement of federal voting rights laws, administration of elections, and voting equipment standards. President Donald Trump appointed Von Sparkovsky to the Presidential Advisory Commission on Election Integrity in 2017. Before joining Heritage in 2008, Von Sparkovsky served two years as a member of the Federal Election Commission, the authority charged with enforcing campaign finance laws for congressional and presidential elections, including public funding. Previously, Von Sparkovsky worked at the Justice Department as counsel to the Assistant Attorney General for Civil Rights, providing expertise in enforcing the Voting Rights Act and the Help America Vote Act of 2002. The views and opinions expressed during today's episode are our own and in no way represent the views, opinions, or policy positions of our respective employers. This is meant to be a free exchange of topics relevant to YR, space in the D.C. area, and beyond. Without further ado, let's get to Hans. All right, folks, we've got another great episode for you today. We're going to talk a little bit about election security back in 2021 and what that looks like in 2022. We have the Heritage Foundation's Hans von Sparkovsky to talk to us a little bit about uh, election security. Hans, how are you today? Welcome to the hey, podcast. I'm doing, I'm doing just great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I know we normally like to get to know you at first with these episodes, but we're going to get right into the meat of today's episode. So Hans, in 2021, it was to say the least, a controversial year for uh, the policy of election integrity and election security. So as somebody who's been involved in this issue going on now decades, what do you think is the state of election security and integrity like uh, in the country right now? And what does that look like going into 2022? Well, look, in, in some states, unfortunately, it's gotten worse, but in, in many states, it's gotten better. And, and let me tell you what I mean by that. Um, Look, for a long time, we've had a lot of vulnerabilities in our election system. By our election system, I mean everything from the way people register to vote, to the accuracy of our voter registration rolls, to uh, the way people vote. Uh, and, and there are a lot of uh, fixes that need to be made. I mean, for example, look, there are some states, uh, New York and California being prominent among them, that you know you don't require an ID to vote. There's nothing, nothing in their provisions uh, regarding elections that allow election officials to actually authenticate the identity 
of somebody when they walk in to vote. Similarly, uh, states aren't doing basic things like taking people off their voter rolls when they've died or moved out of state, which can create problems, or verifying the citizenship of individuals who are registering to vote, despite the fact that uh, case after case after case has, has come to light of people who are not U.S. citizens who are not only registering, but are actually voting. And and unfortunately, in many instances, getting away with it uh, for many years, uh, which, which, you know, every time someone who's not a citizen votes, it, it voids the vote of an eligible citizen. But some so some states have made things worse, uh, uh, putting in provisions that I think are reckless and unwise. Uh, California is a, a unfortunate example of that. Everything from the fact that they don't uh, maintain the actually their voter rolls to the fact that just uh, several years ago, they got rid of their prohibition on vote harvesting or vote trafficking, as I like to call it. They now allow any third party stranger so that could include candidates and party activists, political consultants to show up at people's homes to say, hey, I'll pick up your ballot for you and deliver it. I mean, first, you can't trust that they're actually going to do that. But also that puts them in a position of saying, oh, by the way, you really should be voting for this person. Can I come watch you fill out that ballot? It, 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 it gives them the opportunity to engage in pressure and coercion. Uh, on the other hand, we had a number of states actually improve things, uh, Florida, Georgia, Texas, Iowa, Arizona, all actually passed, their state legislatures passed reforms this year that actually fixed some of these holes. The best example of that I'll give you is that, um, look, Georgia and Texas both had uh, pretty good voter ID laws in place to require people to show an ID uh, when they show up to vote in person. Both states also provide a free ID to anyone who doesn't already have one. But there was no ID requirement for absentee ballots. And you and I both know what happened last year. There was a huge push for people to vote uh, through the mail, supposedly because of COVID. Uh, I think it was because a lot of people said, ah, uh, this makes it easier for us to do things like pick up ballots or, or pressure voters in their homes. But, but whatever the reason, both states passed bills that extended the ID requirement to absentee ballots something that was very smart for them to do. They made it very easy for voters to comply with it. But as you know, they also got a lot of what I consider to be totally unfair criticism over taking steps like that. And especially too in Georgia, where we saw a huge kerfuffle take place yes. earlier this year uh, with the vote, voting bill uh, that took place there and was passed. You saw a lot of people raise a stink about it. You even saw the all-star game get moved from Atlanta. Right. And you, you were saying here that uh, Georgia got it right. Is that correct? I, I'm saying that exactly. And it was, wasn't it a great piece of revenge for Atlanta to then win the World Series and they have to have it back in, in Atlanta? I mean, but, but those criticisms were of, of what Georgia had done were totally uh, unfair. And in fact, um, I think a lot of some people actually started realizing that when they actually read what was in the bill rather than relying on talking points they were getting from the media and elsewhere. Just, you know, what would you say in addition to these bills that were passed, what do you think were some of the big events, debates, arguments that took place this, this year in 2021 that are going to influence the conversations that come in 2022? Well, look, the biggest fight uh, also has been going on in Congress. Because, you know, one of the first bills that Nancy Pelosi, in fact, the first bill that Nancy Pelosi dropped was uh, what they call H.R. 1. H.R. 1 is an 800-page monstrosity. It is this federal bill that would, in essence, lead to a federal takeover 
of the administration of elections, something our states have been doing, and basically void out what state legislators and the, res the residents of states decide they want, because it would put in um, all of these federal rules. As, again, as a quick example, um, this bill, if it passed Congress, would void out all state voter ID laws. So no state would be able to ask anyone who comes into a polling place or votes by absentee ballot for an ID, which is a a foolish change, one that that uh, is reckless and risks the security of the election process. They basically want to take some of the bad rules that have been implemented in states like New York and California and force those on the rest of the nation, no matter what the legislators or the voters want in those states. So that. That is a continuing argument. Uh, both bills, both that one and others like it, uh, were filibustered in the Senate. But, you know, just recently, uh, when their Build Back Better bill looked like it was going nowhere, you know, uh, Democrats said, oh, we're going to return and try to push these bad voting bills through once again. Yeah, and if, I, if I'm correct, I know I've got my pocket constitution in my bag down here, but if I'm correct, the constitution explicitly gave states the right to run and operate their own elections. So in a way, this voting rights bill in Congress would, you know, you know, just trounce all over on that on that precedent. Am I correct? Yeah, many provisions of it, in fact, would be unconstitutional because it's it, it's left to the states to do this. And look, there's a very good reason for that. You know, the founders, when they were writing these constitutional provisions, said, you know, it probably isn't a good idea to give the folks who are in power in Washington the ability to write the rules that get themselves elected. Because if they'd have that power, they might then write the rules in a way that uh, manipulate things so that they will remain in power and make it hard for challengers to come in and try to knock them out of their positions. And as we all know, we do like a good competition now and then, right? Yes. So, so that's what elections are, they're competition. And so, you know, even though the Constitution specifically does not give Congress or the federal government to run elections, but let's just say hypothetically, you were given unilateral control of the U.S. election system. What policies would you implement and what fixes across the board would you implement? Well, I wouldn't want the federal government doing it because uh, for everything good they can do, they could do something bad. But here's what I think ought to happen, and hopefully this is what states ought to do. Um, and, and look, in, in the book that John Fund and I just wrote, Our Broken Elections, the whole final chapter is a list of these recommendations. First of all, obviously, uh, you need to ask for an ID for anyone who's voting, whether it's in person or by absentee. Yeah, provide a free one to anyone who doesn't already have one, but the vast majority of Americans already have an ID. Uh, second, um, the states need to start cooperating with each other to check and compare their voter registration list to find people who have moved to another state and registered there to prevent double voting. Uh, they need to take basic steps within states to compare their voter registration list to other state databases like the DMV list, the state vital records list. Uh, public welfare agencies to find people who have died or moved away or are not U.S. citizens. Uh, that one, in fact, that last item is something states need to be verifying citizenship of people who are registering and voting to ensure that uh, aliens aren't coming in and basically voiding out the votes of citizens. I mean, there's a whole series of things like that that ought to be done by the states that will not prevent anyone who's legitimate from being able to vote, but it will protect their votes. And to follow up on that, how would you ensure that voters who don't have easy access to the polls 
can exercise their right to vote. Again, this could be everybody from you know middle America who may not be close to a polling place, but also to densely urban areas, kind of like both sides of the divide. Well, look, that's why we have absentee ballots. You know, and absentee ballots um, can be requested by a voter. It's mailed to the voter. They can then either mail it back or uh, members of their family can return it. Um, you just have to be very careful with absentee ballots. You need to do everything from required ID to setting up the kind of system uh, that allows you to track the ballot. I mean, look, you and I both know it, it, it's uh, during the holidays now and in the past year, what has everybody been doing? They've been ordering stuff right from uh, over the Internet. And all of those services uh, allow you to track that package. The same thing needs to happen with absentee ballots. And yet most states don't have any kind of system like that. Those are the kinds of things you can do, to, again, to make it easy to vote, but hard to cheat. And, you know, with the complexities of election systems in the various states, are, are, would you generally say it's important to make sure election systems are adequately funded? So like Secretary of State's offices, uh, as oh, well sure. as election commissions. So, uh, you know, adequately funded there? Yes, although that funding needs to come from the government. Uh, there should not be any private funding of election offices because that raises all kinds of conf potential conflicts of interest. It's just that uh, the government definitely needs to fund that sufficiently to make sure that everyone who's eligible is able to be registered to vote and that you've got all the right equipment and the training to make sure that elections run as smoothly as possible. That's a that's a great point. Uh, you want to make sure there's run well run smooth elections. Yes. Uh, so a few other things I wanted to cover with you today. Uh, a lot of talk back late 2020 and in 2021 about stolen elections. Now I'm an optimist, and my hope is is that we get to a place where you know everybody can say that every election is fair, was well run, and well done. Uh, but just as we go forward into 2022 with the midterms, we have three quarters, I think, of the gubernatorial seats that are up. We have the House, the Senate that are up. Uh, we've got a, quite a few offices that are up for elections uh, this upcoming year. So what would you say to those who who are still of the mindset in 2020 that, you know, uh, the election in 2020 was, quote, stolen? And how do we abate those those fears and those going into 2022? Oh, well, in fact, what you said before, that, in fact, should be our goal, which is to have a system in which everybody says, well, even if we even if I lost my candidate lost, it was a fair election and it had the correct outcome. That's the kind of system we want. And I would say to folks who, um, you know, have lost confidence in the election process, uh, well, then work to improve it. Uh, the way to do that is to uh, talk to your state legislator where you live and have them working on improving the election laws in your state to fix those problems. Get involved at the local level. Keep in mind, we've got the most decentralized election administration system of any Western democracy. Our elections are run down the county government level. And folks need to get involved at the county government level to make sure the county election officials also are doing everything they should to make sure we have good elections. The public, unfortunately, too often doesn't pay attention what's happening at their county government level in the elections area. And if you want to know what they should be doing, uh, the final chapter of, of, of the book, John Fight and I just published our broken elections. We have a whole list there of recommendations on what uh, election officials, both at the state and local level, ought to be doing to conduct uh, the, the best kind of elections. 
And you, you raise a great segue right there. I know that you have that book. Uh, can you repeat the title and tell us a little bit about what the book is and what the book sure. goes about laying out? Uh, it's called Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. And it is it, it is some about uh, what happened in last year's election, but basically it's about all the different rule changes and other things, many of them reckless and unwise that have been pushed now for years. And we explain um, how we think the election process should be run, the problems that we have encountered. There's a lot of data and evidence. It's not, it's not a book full of speculation. And in the end, as I said, in our final chapter is on, well, here's the way to fix all the problems that we have uh, identified. Uh, we have specific solutions, both for state legislatures and for local election officials. Well, fantastic. Uh, and in 2022, just last question before we go into wrap up, is there anything that you're working on in 2022 that our listeners should know about any elections projects or any upcoming works that in addition to your book? Well, yeah, if they go to the, as you know, I work at the Heritage Foundation and we just released our election integrity scorecard. Uh, we rate every state on the laws they actually have in place to protect the integrity of the election. So if you want to know how, how well your state is doing, you go to our scorecard and look it up. And it also gives folks a guide to um, all the different areas where their state's laws need to be improved. So it's, it's a very handy tool that they can use to, to, to a lot of the effects of what we've been talking about. And we'll make sure to include that in the episode notes and descriptions so that way people can check it out for themselves. But that's going to do it for us today, Hans. Thank you so much for coming sure. on today. Uh, your Twitter handle is Hvon Sparkarvsky. Uh, yes. Is there anything else that you'd like to plug in before we wrap up? Nope. No, that's it. All right. Well, thank you so much. Have a Merry Christmas and have a great New Year, Hans. Thank you so much Thanks. for joining us. Sure thing. Same to you. Bye-bye. On behalf of the D.C. Young Republican Executive Board, we thank you for listening to the District Download. Make sure to hit that subscribe button, give us a five-star review, and share this episode with your friends. The District Download is currently available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, and wherever else you may listen to podcasts. Thank you.